these fools are not crazy. Make them listen to me before it's too late. Listen to me. Please listen. If you don't, if you won't, if you fail to understand, then the same incredible terror that's menacing me will strike at you! Scott, have you seen Invasion of the Body Snatchers? I have seen the remake from the 1970s, but I have not seen the original 1956 version directed by Don Siegel. Oh, well, you've got to see it. It's, it's uh, iconic. It's one of the classic American sci-fi films from the 50s and 60s. And for what I understand, it is, it's like part of the era, the 1950s. It's of the time. Yeah, it very much is because it, I mean, well, first of all, it's a great, you know, just sci-fi film about an, an evil alien invasion. Most alien invasion movies, the aliens are bad. Um, but uh, it, it also reflects very much the period of time that it was made in, uh, in the 1950s. It's v- kind of paranoid. It, it, it's about a fear of the other. The, the aliens, you never, they present, what they are is they duplicate. They look just like humans. So here you are, and you see another human being who looks just like another person from your little town, and it's like, are they themselves, or are they an alien? And, of course, it reflected... Uh, it's interesting because this fear fear of being different, everything wanting to be the same, some people have interpreted Invasion of the Body Snatchers as being about... Uh, the repressiveness of the 1950s and force the conservatism and forcing everyone to be the same. And it's like they're controlling our minds and we aren't free. But other people have interpreted it as saying, no, it's about communism. It's the body snatchers are the communists. They're the communists going to take us over, which fits with the 1950s. And I believe that Don Siegel, the director was very cagey about that. He just was, no, it's not political, you know, which is not true. It obviously is political, but in which way? I don't know. To me, it's both, right? <laughs> and it fits, and it's also within that body of work in terms of the 1950s science fiction movies, uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still, Them, Forbidden Planet. We can talk about these, but let's go backwards to the uh, first really great science fiction movie from 1903. It's from France, from George Millier, A Trip to the Moon. Right. It is one of it's the most famous film from one of the most important pioneers of filmmaking. He was one of the very first. So this is going back to when movies first started. And he made this movie that was just a classic sci fi story. You know, it had already been done in writing in the 19th century by writers like Jules Verne and H.G. Wells. And uh, it's just some scientists build a rocket, fly to the moon. They encounter aliens. They encounter all kinds of weird plants and animals because they're, we didn't know what the moon was actually like. And they encounter aliens who are attacking them and they fight them off, capture one and bring it back to Earth. But it's, it also, the other, other important thing to say about it is George Melies invented special effects, right? Stop motion photography, animation, all kinds of interesting special effects using set design as a special effect even absolutely because he didn't never moved his camera around or anything it was all done on a on a stage um but it's interesting that that it's appropriate that really the person who made the first true science fiction film also did it with special effects which are so central to the medium now and then that was followed by some silence uh, um, movies like uh, the original frankenstein from 1910 Adaptation of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in, in 1916, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Jules Verne, 1925. But then in 1927, Fritz Lang makes Metropolis in Germany. 
has right. the first is it arguably the first robot? Yeah, and it's it, um, it, the movies you first just mentioned are all pretty forgettable. So not really not much happens between a trip to the moon in 1903 and then Metropolis in 1927. Um, yeah, it's about robots that again uh, look like people. Um, one in particular who who is you know planted there by the by the work by the owners of the businesses to get the workers to revolt so they can have an excuse to kill them off. And but yeah, it 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 has amazing special effects for the time, and it is about robots and the future and. So it's, it's a great, great science fiction film near the end of the silent era. But it's German. You know, there isn't much happening in the United States until later. Yeah, well, actually, just three, uh, four years later, when, in 1931, when James Whale makes the uh, Frankenstein. Universal Studios, Universal Pictures, was this one was part of was one of the little three. You know, get a little little uh, Hollywood um, studio history here. The big ones were MGM, Warner Brothers, 20th Century Fox, and a couple others. Um, Universal was kind of small, but they struck gold when they made Frankenstein, and then in the same year they made uh, Dracula, and then they went on to make all these ones that you you know well. <laughs> They're household names. The Mummy, The Invisible Man, The Wolf Man. And these all became franchises with many, many repeats. But they really, even though Frankenstein truly is science fiction, because it is not magic or anything like that, or uh, it's a scientist in a lab uses scientists to create a being, right? It's science. But the movie... It was the monster and the monstrousness that that caught people's attention, and that's why it really gave birth to the 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 horror genre that Universal Pictures was behind. So we have to go later to find true science fiction. And in the 1940s, there wasn't a lot of activity. Of course, World War II was happening, and then in the 1950s, it's really the golden age of classic Hollywood sci-fi. Uh, and uh, beginning in 1951 with The Day the Earth Stood Still, directed by Robert Wise. We have an organization for the mutual protection of all planets and for the complete elimination of aggression. The test of any such higher authority is, of course, the police force that supports it. For our policemen, we created a race of robots. Their function is to patrol the planets in spaceships like this one, and preserve the peace. That's that's a wonderful film. That one's actually about good aliens who come to Earth to, again, movies, uh, particularly I think science fiction type movies, often capture what's going on in the world at the time. And one of the things that make up sci-fi films of the time is fear of like nuclear annihilation. So these aliens come to Earth, stop everything, um, the Earth stands still, and basically get us to like own up and act act correctly so we don't destroy ourselves by nuclear war and uh, it was remade into a movie that's very forgettable in 2008 where they instead of uh, nuclear war it's it's environmentalism it's uh, global warming and climate change that the alien is warning us about right so even if the movie's forgettable it shows you how science fiction movies are there they look at what's going on in the world and in, in, in terms of our science and our planet and and our politics and they 
they address that and then speculate about what could happen in the future. And then in 1956, we have Forbidden Planet, directed by Fred Wilcox, which is based on Shakespeare's The Tempest. It's a precursor to Star Trek, and it's also a big Hollywood production. Because most, we haven't mentioned this yet, but most science fiction, the reason why there are hardly any in the 30s and 40s and stuff, it wasn't thought well of as a genre, right? And it was was from pulp fiction, and no one thought much of it. And even in the 50s and 60s, most science fiction are B-films. But you're saying Forbidden Planet was an A picture. It was an A picture. It would had the, it, uh, the in terms of the marketing and the money for the special effects, and you can see it even today. Watching it, Technicolor, uh, it's it looks gorgeous. Prepare your minds for a new scale of physical scientific values, gentlemen. And I always remember that that thing, this thing that he shows him. It's it's like stories deep. It's like a hundred stories tall. It's actually deep into the earth, and it's it's uh, all the knowledge of uh, in history, um, uh, like collected as data. It's it's kind of like a 1950s version of what we must imagine like a Google server farm looks like, right? It, so it, that was kind of. Uh, Fortuitous. And then the, the same year, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which we started off with. And then in 1960, The Time Machine, based on the, based on the book by H.G. Wells, directed by George Powell with Rod Taylor. And this is a movie both you and I grew up watching like over and over on television, I'm sure. Yeah, it's so entertaining and, and uh, probably an A picture. It had a big cast and George Powell's effects and everything. Um, but it's also, you know, H.G. Uh, Wells translated perfectly if you look at what H.G. Wells wrote, there's still the major themes of science fiction movies now, right? The time machine is about time travel, um, and it's a warning to what we could do if we don't do things right. War of the Worlds is about alien invasion. And then you've got The Invisible Man, which is, you know, uh, about a scientist, you know, the mad scientist, and he's got it all. So those made great movies even, of course, those have all been remade, right? Time Machine, War of the Worlds, there's the Tom Cruise version of War of the Worlds. and um, Another one that I think, as we get later in the 60s and we start to approach the end of what I think we would call the classic era of sci-fi, the great French new wave film director, Francois Truffaut, made this film in English called Fahrenheit 451, which is the, the Ray Bradbury novel. But that's very important because it's about a future where they burn books and, and, and people are people's ability to learn and be smart is suppressed and it's dystopian science fiction if you look at tv series and movies now they're they're virtually especially tv series they're like all dystopian futuristic sci-fi now it's the dark vision yeah as opposed to the optimistic vision right and then at the end of the decade 2001 which one could say is the culmination of classic science fiction and the beginning of contemporary science fiction. Yeah, I wouldn't even let, call it the culmination. It was such a huge paradigm shift that it basically said, forget all this way of, of, doing, showing, of doing science fiction in movies. Here's the new way. And it changed everything. <laughs> 